0: If you are ready to change the way people experience the transition to parenthood, you've come to the right place. On this podcast, we interview postpartum professionals, academics and researchers, as well as parents with unique perspectives on postpartum. Whether you've been working with new families for decades or are brand new to postpartum care, we'd love you to join us. I'm your host, Julia Jones. Hello and welcome to Newborn Mothers podcast today we've got another graduate story uh charlotte whose business is called kin kin by charlotte and i'm so excited to have you on today charlotte because one thing i really love about teaching is you kind of teach uh a sort of like a a sort of a box of skills and then as you see people graduate and they grow their wings and they leave the nest Um, seeing people come up with their own unique ways of applying what they've learned and expanding on that creating new visions and new ways of doing things and new ways of being happy successful supporting mums and you've absolutely been a joy to watch um, as a graduate seeing that you've where you've taken things so I'm excited to have a chat to you today
1: Oh, Julia, it is such a pleasure to be chatting to you in this way. I listened to Renee and Mika's uh, episode on the way to a family yesterday and like them, it feels so full circle to be chatting to you in this way. So thank you for having me on. Oh,
0: pleasure. It's such, a, such an honour. Uh, you all inspire me so much. That was a great episode as well. If anyone wants to go and listen, I think it was just the last episode it was. before this one. Yeah. Uh, And today, what I'm really interested to hear about is, uh, I guess, just your journey where you started and, and where you've ended up. So let's go and start from the beginning. And, you know, who were you before you were Kin by Charlotte?
1: Oh my goodness, it's such a good question because I feel like such a different person to me before (laughs) I became a mother. Um, I live out on Wurundjeri country, so I'm based in the Yarra Ranges, um, just in Eastern Nam, which you might know as Melbourne. So I live and work on beautiful Wurundjeri country. I'm just looking at a very bustling Birrarung River at the moment. I live here with my two and a half year old daughter, Rui my partner Pete, and the things that really light my fire right now are food and eating good things and catching up with the people that I love, which feels like such a gift after a very long lockdown period for us Melbourneites. Um, I love yoga and bushwalking and being out amongst nature. And I think it's really interesting, Julia, because I used to do a podcast as well, or I have a podcast on hold at the moment. And I think so often we introduce ourselves as mothers and what we we do when we don't necessarily kind of sit with what makes our hearts sing. So I think that's like an important part of how I've come to this part of my life as well i absolutely wasn't always a postpartum doula i have a background in health promotion so i've mostly worked in women's health and gender equity and family violence prevention Um, i've worked in international development And when I fell pregnant in 2019, I was absolutely that person that thought that I would have a baby and everything would kind of bounce back. I hate bounce back culture, but you know what I mean? That kind of set straight back into work um, once they arrived and I thought I had the dream job and matrescence is a wild, wild ride and essentially becoming a parent tore absolutely everything apart whilst also reinforcing everything that I knew to be true and the journey to becoming a parent meant that I essentially blew my life up and we um, both my partner and I quit our jobs and we moved and I started a new business and it was such a huge 180 to where my life where I thought my life was going to be where my life was heading but my goodness, becoming a parent has really made me tune into myself and live this idea of a best life. Like, I don't want to be thinking about we'll be happy when or life will be awesome when we just decided, holy heck, we just got to do the damn thing.
0: Yeah, I love it. And there's nothing like the urgency, I think, of becoming a parent, is it? It really makes you realize that every minute counts and yeah, what's what's important, what's valuable, and what it gives you a fresh kind of perspective on that.
1: Absolutely, Yeah. And I think it's a hard journey. Like I don't necessarily know what parts of, I guess, the beginnings of Kin are because I became a parent and which parts of the beginnings or like dreaming up of Kin is because we were in lockdown and things were really pretty darn miserable. Um, I think that's a really hard thing for me to pull apart from one another because, you know anyone that had like the perfect plan on paper that got blown up by lockdown, especially if you're in Melbourne. And we got to the point where we were like, we could have absolutely every single duck in a row and it could be pulled away from us. So we just need to be living our biggest, boldest lives. And I kind of like to think about business as a bold biz because we talk about small business all the time. There is nothing small about running your own business. You have to really back yourself and make bold, gutsy, hard-ass decisions for it to be successful.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And am I correct? Did you literally quit your job overnight? Did you have anything else lined up or yeah. a backup plan? Was there a transition? <laughs> that yes just rip and that no. Right
1: <laughs> Mostly no. Um, so I gave birth in January 2020 and you know, there were whispers of COVID at that point, but by April, you know, so six weeks into parenthood, and we know about that six week marker, things really started blowing up here. Um, So it was probably when I had a six month old that I was like, hmm, I think low key, I had always thought when I grow up, acknowledging that I was already a grown up, Mm -hmm. I might study midwifery. But the process of giving birth and experiencing matrescence for myself really made me recognize that there was so much scope to be supporting families on the other side of that journey. I had always worked with families in some way on, you know, quite high scale um, family violence prevention initiative that was really heavily publicized um, and quite a big deal in Victoria. And I suddenly realized like I could actually be making a really big difference difference by just working with families one-on-one and that was really meaningful as well Um, so I did a little bit of a search I was following Naomi from Cocoon at that time so I knew about you and I decided to study your course as a birthday present to myself and also as just a little bit of a light in the lockdown haze and it was so professionally reassuring but it was also so personally affirming in the way that i wanted to parent and the way that i wanted to support people and the things that families deserve um and i knew at that point that kin was going to be born i then um so at the time
0: that you studied you weren't even sure if you wanted to do this as a career
1: not necessarily. That's a a pretty bold move. Yeah. To be fair, I thought, you know, maybe it could be something that ticks along on the side and then, Mm. you know, we'll see what happens. I was the primary earner in my family. I was earning six figures. That was kind of unheard of in the health promotion sphere. That was like very amazing job. I was so good at it. I felt like it was absolutely my path. but when I returned back to work in December, I really quickly realised that that fire was no longer there and it didn't feel right and that I, I kept doing it. Yeah, we might be financially really well off, but I would absolutely burn out and I wouldn't be the parent that I wanted to be. Mm. So I quit three months later in April. And at that stage, I had been recording the podcast for about six months and. Um, but I didn't have any clients. Sorry. So this is three. Is this still April, 2020?
0: Are we talking or is this is 2021 by then
1: 2021 by yeah. then. Yeah. So, yeah. I so started your daughter's studying, just over a year. Yes, You've done the you course, know, you quit your job, quit the job. Started your podcast. Didn't, yeah. Didn't have yeah. any clients locked in at that stage. And I just thought I'm going to be able to give it my all if I just do the deep dive and so I did it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So for listeners, I used to, I'm a deep dive person, a rip off the bandaid kind of person. And, and yes. I did the same thing, just quit and jump in and see what happens. And, you know, hopefully you'll float and not sink. Yes. <laughs> but I also know that doesn't work for everyone. So, oh, you know, there's a lot of our students as well who do like this, swinging back and forth, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that while they get the hang of it. And that's completely valid. Uh, too but I do yes. love hearing about these headfirst stories as well oh my
1: <laughs> gosh and I have to acknowledge that you know the job that I was working in gave me the ability to put a nest egg aside. So we had some stability. I knew the business wouldn't make money straight away. I think we so often get fed this idea of like, it's your dream. And so it'll be successful. And that is not the reality. Um, so, you know, I didn't make money for six months, but I knew that I could lean back on the savings that we had, um, collected. And we also blew up our life in many other ways. So we moved from inner city Melbourne to the country. And that meant that our mortgage was actually cheaper than our rent. So we made a lot Mm. of big decisions.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like your whole life was, was aligning to your new self. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a really good point too, that you make that um, it's not an overnight thing. And I think women, especially are sold this particularly through like multi-level marketing schemes and absolutely like, I don't know there's so much like boss babe mindset kind of stuff out there yeah I think mindset is massively important however it's definitely not the only piece you can't just will yourself with rich so absolutely. yeah you you've got to do the
1: work and you got to have you know something to lean on whilst you figure it all out Absolutely. And you've got to sit in the light and gray of what that's going to look like. There were some days where I was like, what in the, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this podcast, Julia, (laughs) but what in the heck have I done? This is the worst decision. And then there were other days where like, absolutely, this is the best choice for us right now. So yeah, don't think that it's going to be an overnight success. It might be, but the reality is that it's really hard, big work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really important. So six months to start making money is pretty quick though.
1: Is it? (laughs) Yeah. Oh
0: yeah. I think so. Yep.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, look, it was, I, yeah, it had many, many, many ups and downs. We moved here in April of 2021 And then I don't think any of us could have predicted that we would go into another lockdown. And so that was just such a huge spanner in the works when I lost all childcare and just had to kind of think about what's the business going to be like during this period? What are we going to do to get through this? How will we hold space for Rui? What the heck are we doing essentially?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was a real curveball that year, wasn't it, for Melbourne? I think I still can't quite believe we're talking about it as retrospectively in the right. past. Yeah. I still feel like a lot of people have a little bit of like PTSD, like feeling that it's going to happen again, you know? So oh. yeah, it's been so hard for you guys.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think in so many ways we need to give ourselves space. Like in, we've kind of been expected to dust ourselves off and be back to business as usual, um, you know, tomorrow's a pretty significant day for Melbourne as all of those disaster things drop away. And I've having that conversation so much with families at the moment because it's really yeah. Yeah, I think people think like it should be fine and it's all normal, but my gosh, we've gone through so much. You really need to give yourself the space to process that. And of course, it's big and hard.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Uh, I've had a few discussions with people now again retrospectively starting a business during a pandemic isn't you know it's not really anyone's first choice (laughs) not really (laughs) so how did that look for you I mean you were moving to a completely new place where you didn't know anyone we had all these lockdowns so you know you weren't allowed to kind of go out and meet people in the same way how did you do that
1: yeah, I was really lucky that I made the decision initially that I would still work across Nam. So my, I am about an hour and a half outside of central Melbourne. Um, but I knew that the initial demand was still in Melbourne. And so I gave myself the grace for the first year to still work with Melbourne families. So I was very lucky that I had a, um, Uh, network there. So I didn't necessarily have to um, be known in the community that I was moving to straight away. Uh, And that made a really big difference. Um, And that's been a really slow burn. It's so hard to network when we've had so many restrictions. Um, And it's something that is still something that I'm growing into, to be fair. It's absolutely a priority for me in the coming months to make sure that I can service local families so that I don't burn out as well.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good point. There's a lot you can do in the first year or so of business when you've just got that real like hustle and that grit, you know, and you're working at nights from your dinner table and all that kind of stuff. But it's definitely not a long-term sustainable business plan.
1: Absolutely not. And I think that you almost need to be really comfortable in knowing when to say no and when to refer on. This doula community that we exist in is actually so magical. I've never worked in a way where I felt so held and supported by a community of other women doing this work. And I think as soon as you can kind of let go of this idea of I have to take absolutely every inquiry in whatever form it comes in, Um, on and think about, okay, who are the people that I can work alongside informally to refer onto them, knowing that that will then come back to me as well. Um, And that's made a really big difference, especially in the last six months for me, because it's just too hard to be everything everywhere all at once.
0: Are you loving this podcast? Check out our books at newbornmothers.com. Nourishing Newborn Mothers is a recipe book designed to nourish your mind, body and soul after childbirth and my second book newborn mothers was a bestseller i know i can't believe it either it's about baby brain village building and how to find happiness in 21st century parenting you can get the first chapter free of both books at newbornmothers.com slash books yeah i think that's a really important thing that we see uh, you know this whole um bunch of people all yeah. as are contributing to the same vision, you know, we're all doing this
1: together, Absolutely. Uh, and it's not a
0: competition at all.
1: Yeah. We're actually better when we're working with the other people in this space, right? There's like, we get fed this idea. We exist in a patriarchy. It's a capitalist society where you want to kind of put yourself ahead of the pack, but that actually doesn't work in this work. It works best when we're really sitting into what you talk about in the course, these feminine ways of being and these feminine ways of working. And that is in a collective. So that's really important.
0: Yeah. So you now have plenty of clients. Are you happy with the, where your business is is now? And have you been able to recreate that financial stability for your family again?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a big, big question. And absolutely, I. So in my first year of business, I made a much smaller amount of money than I. Um, was previously, but I've already doubled that this year, which is so massive. It's something that's now sustainable and it's sustainable in ways that are really important to me. So it's financially viable at this point, which is really key because we need to be charging in meaningful ways for our work because I think so many of us step into this space and after a year or two, we're so burnt out and we can't keep doing it anymore but it's also sustainable in a way that I'm living a family life that's meaningful for me. So I work three days a week. We have care for three days a week. So that's possible. Um, And I set hours that are really tuning into what I need to make sure that I'm feeling rested and recovered as well so that I can give my best to the families that I'm walking alongside. So that's taken some time. And I think it's interesting how that's progressed for me because I definitely started with a model that's similar to what you talk about and definitely similar I think and you can correct me Julia in in the way that you used to work so I used to have set packages and I would charge a certain fee for that now Um, and that worked well to get started but as I learned a little bit more about just how big this work can be and how much goes into each visit I realized that I needed to sit with this idea of what I actually did want to earn as an hourly wage and how many hours went into each um, session with a family. And when I actually mapped that out, I have been able to come up with ways to make this viable for myself, but also to give a bit of flexibility to the families that I work with and for. So I've completely moved away from packages as a set offering and I offer price per visit options. And it means that I can pay myself for all of the work that goes into it, as opposed to making a number that feels really accessible to a family because postpartum care isn't a luxury item, but we also need to acknowledge that it's not a mainstream thing to do to invest in postpartum care at the moment. And so we need to find a balance between paying ourselves but also really making it um, accessible for the families that we want to support and walk alongside. I think
0: there's a lot to be said for individual visits too, because not Mm. always, but a lot of the time people need to have experienced it to even know what it is that they're investing in. Absolutely. I would say most people in our culture don't have an experience of being supported in the way that you support people. But once they book that first visit, they'll be like, great, can I book you for another 10? And also one thing I love is you've uh, you add what you call toppings. Um, so in, on top of the the visits, you can also have online check-ins or, um, you know, uh, support to go to appointments, um, yeah. food drops, you know, so people can really then, once they've built up that trust with you, they could come back to you for all kinds of things. Because people might, only need visits early on but want food drop-offs for months you
1: know absolutely yeah and I think we create offerings in so many ways that reflect what we would want to buy and for me I would want what I wanted was to be held and to have visits in home and food is my love language so I was like I want really big food deliveries But for some of the families that I work with and for, that's not what they necessarily want. So to give them the option to mix and match from those different visa options really means that they're getting something that's perfectly tailored to their family because no family is exactly the same. We all have different needs and wants and things that light our fire. And so by being able to build their own package alongside me, then they're getting exactly what they want.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it. And, it and it means that actually you end up uh, making more money because people can keep adding on. I want another visit and I need another visit and I actually yeah. want six months of support and actually I want a year of support. And yeah. I've talked to another, a, a number of my graduates who sometimes they still start with a package, yeah. um, but where they actually really start to make the most income is with those, um, you know, adding, adding things on.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I'll be honest with you, Julia. I generally, I've only just opened my books hyper, hyper, hyper locally for one-off visits because I think a one-off visit is absolutely great. But oftentimes you access a one-off visit when you're in crisis and when you're already in crisis or it's already feeling really wobbly and hard you're already on the back foot. This work does work best when we have an existing relationship and we know one another and we've spent all of those monthly check-ins building all of the things to have you held and supported. That is the best version of this work But also some of us give birth and we don't hear about postpartum doulas until we're on the other side. So it is a constant dance for me. And I would absolutely love to have, you know, everyone that contacts me be able to book in, but we also book out so far in advance as doulas. So there's this constant dance for me of building some time in my calendar to service those families that need that one-off support, and then they will access ongoing things and also holding the space for families that need that longer term support too.
0: Yeah, yeah. And one more note on that as well is when people first want to be duelers, they want the templates, they want the formula, they want just someone yes. to, like, tell them, like, how does this work, you know, what's yes. the equation, you know, but it's really not like that. No. As a teacher, I often will give someone a formula just as a starting point because you need somewhere to start, you know.
1: Absolutely.
0: But what I really love is then seeing what happens you know, a year later after you've had some experience, you've had some clients, you know what works for you and your family and then you actually completely um, throw that out the window and do things in a way that works for you and your clients and that makes me so excited.
1: (laughs) Yes, it's big, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's huge because then the work goes so far beyond, you know, what I teach within my, you know, the modules of the course. Uh, It becomes real and, and I love that.
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. I agree.
0: So one more question I want to throw at you is what's next? So it sounds like you want to get some more local clients.
1: Yeah, I think it's just so important. I have loved and I still work with families in NAM, Melbourne, And I think it's so magic, but there's something to be said about having someone a whole lot closer to you. It opens up that possibility of like, Hey, there's a little bit of a shit show at home. This has come up and we need someone to respond a little bit more immediately. And it gives me the ability to be more present for that type of work. So, um, I'm trying to think of an example. Something that comes up a lot is um, families coming home from the hospital and then... um, getting COVID, for example. And so what I will then do in those moments is switch my offerings to online support. So they don't forfeit any of their visits, but it would be so much better for that family if I could then say, okay, what I'm doing is doing a meal drop at your door at XYZ. And at the moment I do that, but holy heck, it's a really big trip for me to do that going into Melbourne. And it would feel so much better for me if that was something that was more localized. Um, and more sustainable as well. Or like we haven't slept all night, and we actually don't have our visit until next Monday, and it's now Wednesday evening, and you're technically not working for the next few days. Then I could say, okay, what we're going to do is Rui and Pete are going to have dinner here, but I'm going to pop on over and we're going to switch around this visit. That's actually not necessarily possible for me in this season of early parenthood to do that when I've got a three-hour commute. Um, And so I think it's very important for me to know when it's time for me to honour what the families that I support need and what they need. I think, and this isn't what everyone kind of necessarily thinks, um, but they need someone that's just around the corner too, because they need the best care and support in this season. Um, So knowing where my limits are is something that has taken a really long time to sit with and to be comfortable with as well.
0: Yes, well, it takes a while to even learn what they are. You have to have yes. a certain number of clients before you even know, actually, this doesn't work for me.
1: Yes. This isn't
0: sustainable in the long term. Yes. There's something to be said too. I used to love doing that as well. I used to have quite a lot of local clients and I loved being able to like, I don't know, visit them in the hospital after the baby was born and just, yeah, you know, if it's just 15 minutes, but to drop off some food or something. Yes. So I love that. But the other thing I love about hyper local work, is you become the village doula that and lady. you will see those families over generations. So I um, still bump into the midwife who was present when I was born, so like oh. my mum's midwife, because uh, yeah, she lives in the same little town as me, you know, so we just see each other yeah. around. Uh, and the same, the midwife who was at my children's births, uh, she lives in the same even smaller area like literally probably 500 meters from my house yeah I see her at the beach and we we chat and you know she takes her grandkids to the park and I'll see her around so I think that role is is one we've lost and I think that continuity of care you know is just so so valuable
1: yeah, it means that when you pass them at the shopping centre and you have that conversation of like, hey, how are you really, mm. it can have a bit more of a follow-up that's not as formalised as like, okay, now we need to add X number of visits. Because yeah, and we to book you in in yeah. three weeks' time when I've got an available spot, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's a hard thing to shake, you know. I came from an office style of working and I think we are so conditioned around what professionalism looks like like. And it's taken me a really long time, Julia, to shake some of those shackles off and really lean into like, actually, what are my values around working with families? And what's important to me and Raph from Veggie Daddy shares some really beautiful things around this. And they talk about, you know. This work is meant to be gnarly. And this work is meant to be really personal. If you're not loving on the families that you're working with, then it's really hard to do this work effectively. It is a professional relationship, but we cross so many professional boundaries in the patriarchal and capitalist sense when we're doing this work. And we actually need to, to pull the systems apart and to make sure that families are so held and seen and centered and loved. Oh, my gosh. Yes. it's hard it is it's huge I, I love
0: Raf's work too raff has been on the podcast a couple of times so we might link to all of those podcasts that we've talked about um, yes. today as well because we have so many amazing graduates and it's like such an, a thrill for me to be able to hear all of these stories yes. um so more local clients have you got any other kind of big ideas for the future
1: Yeah, I would love to really like lean into some more evergreen pieces of work. Um, Something that I do have that I think is so valuable is the piece of work that I share with families as we work together. So I do offer monthly complimentary um, check-ins. So from the time you book, we start to really sit with what this is going to look like. So I've created a threshold postpartum booklet, and I'm going to spend some time in the coming weeks, like really Safeguarding some time to make sure that that is really schmick and what feels right um, so that I can make it available on my website so that anyone can access that. Because like you're saying, I don't necessarily think you can even imagine what postpartum care and support can really look like um, until you've had a little taste of it. And for some people, investing in a booklet is actually going to be the only way that they can do that because it's a really big deal to say, you know what, I deserve to invest this amount of money in this and we all absolutely deserve good care and support, but we don't exist in a community that really tells us that constantly. So having some really accessible resources on the website that come with some Um, support from me as well. So I can really scale up the families that I can work with in different ways is really important for me in the next 12 to 18 months as I sit with a new transition of parenthood as Rui heads off to kinder. So I'm feeling like there's going to be a bit more think space coming into my life in the next 12 months that I'm very, very ready for because this dance is wild and I'm ready for a wee breath. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's
0: amazing. I'm so excited to, to see all of that. um, You know, and and what I love is your honesty of talking about that you don't exactly know what all of that's going to look like, but that you just try it out and you see what works and then you change it up a little bit. And and over time, it's constantly evolving and, and growing. And yeah, I love that.
1: Yeah, you've got to. I think it's like constantly really tuning into your heart's work because that's where you're going to shine anyway and your heart's work is going to change and evolve so darn quickly. So, yeah, giving myself the grace to actually, yeah, shift and change and let the business grow in ways that is meaningful is, yeah, the dream. Amazing.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Have you got anything else you want to share before we wrap up?
1: No, I think I, I no, I don't think so. I Excellent. was trying to
0: think before. No, no. Uh, well, I'm, I'm inspired. I love what you've already talked about. Uh, I love that you found this balance between sustainability of work in terms of finances, but also sustainability of work in terms of your home life uh, yeah. and your lifestyle. And I think we don't actually talk about that enough, that actually there's a large cost of, of kind of of work you know and um, we just accept that as a given It, it doesn't have to be like that
1: yeah and actually think like rethinking success right Julia like we've fed this idea of a successful business is a business that earns x amount of dollars and that's all about money but a successful business is about a whole lot of different things too so we've really got to really lean into what success looks like for us and rethink it on a bigger scale too
0: yeah, I love that, and and in terms of impact as well, and and job satisfaction, and yeah, so many things. Yes. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure, Charlotte. Where can people find you and and Kin, and if someone's listening, to this going like, oh, I want to, I want to work with Charlotte. Where, what do they, what do
1: they do? <laughs> yeah, sure. So you can find me over on the gram at Kin K I N by Charlotte. You can also check out my website, which is. By Charlotte.com. um You can actually access all of my offerings on my website there. It was really important for me to remove all of the blockers for families, but also for doulas. I know we're not meant to base our offerings on someone else's, but we all look at those email lists and we know that people are downloading it to see what they can charge. So I really wanted to make sure that I was very transparent about what I charge um, because this work deserves... A meaningful salary as well. It's really important work. Uh, so you can find me on my website, you can find me on the gram. And I also offer lots of informal mentoring options too. So if you're a doula and you're like, heck yes, I want to talk more about X, slide into my DMs and I'll send you a wee link so you can chat. That's one of my favorite things to do. I love this work and I think we're so much stronger if we're chatting openly and honestly about the good bits of this work, but also the bits that are really sticky and tricky and hard.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that you talk about the transparency of prices that's in raising uh, actually the yeah. raising people's expectations of prices because yes. when I first started, my prices were high, higher than I think anyone I knew had ever charged before. Yeah. And I used to hide them for that reason because um, yeah. when I joined a local doula group on Facebook, yeah. I kind of like scrolled back through a few posts you know before I joined and I saw them actually bitching about me online and my prices so I felt really protective of that but I know for a fact that most of them aren't doers anymore Um, and and I am so I'm like well you just have to charge a living wage this has to be you have to be able to pay your rent and bills unless you won the lotto or you know you got an inheritance or something It just has to be viable. And so I love that you're doing that in the opposite way. You're not hiding your prices. You're showing your prices because you want to show people that actually
1: you can make this work. You absolutely can make this work. And actually, the only way you will make this work longer term is sitting with what you want hourly, sitting with how long uh, each visit actually is So I offer food and so that means there's a cook involved and there's transportation involved and there's the face-to-face visits involved and really making sure you're paying yourself super and putting the taxes aside because you don't want to get to the point at the end of the financial year and say, I have worked my absolute butt off. I've pulled my heart and soul into this and this is what I have to show for it and I can't keep doing this. We're not actually of any good to the families that we want to support if we're completely burnt out. So we need to make sure that we're valuing our own work too. Yeah,
0: I I love that you talk about super and how you've paid yourself super from the start, which is something I strongly advocate for. um, Yes. and, And, you know, teach a lot. Yes, But then one thing I learned recently, which I thought was really cool, is that actually women who are self-employed pay themselves more super than women who are employed by yes. others. Interesting, paid. yes. Yes, I thought that was a, actually quite huge. Yes. Um, so, you know, you get to be your own boss. You get to treat yourself as well as you deserve to be treated. And I, I hope that you all listening, and you obviously are, Charlotte, but I hope that everyone listening believes in themselves, their value, Um, enough to know that they do deserve to be paid, not only paid, but paid super and to be able to pay taxes and, you know, to be able to have time with their family and all of those things.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. We know women finish with less super than men. You know, the stats say a third to 50%. That's just not good enough. We can't be talking about supporting women through doing this work and then not, you know, valuing ourselves as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. What a joy. KimbyCharlotte.com. We'll pop all the links in the show notes. And uh, thank you so much for sharing so generously.
1: Oh, Julia, it's been such a delight. Thank you for having me.
0: Here at Newborn Mothers, we believe that every family has the right to high-quality postpartum care. If you want to join us, learn more at newbornmothers.com. And if you like this podcast, we'd really love you to leave us a five-star review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.